1: This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey everybody welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I am Lucas. I got Uriah here and Uriah has went on a search for a very special guest and that guest is here tonight. So I'm going to let Uriah introduce
2: him. Listen, if you are into sports, not just NBA, if you're into NHL, baseball, NFL football, like you really need to know who this guy is. Jack Settleman is with us today on the Sixer Sense podcast. Right now, he is hot. I mean, he's got his hands in so many different aspects of sports. Jack Settleman, he's the CEO and creator of Snapback Sports. He's in NFTs, he's into crypto, and he's been immersed in the sports business world for quite some time. So I'd like to officially welcome you, Jack. Welcome to the Sixer Sense, man.
3: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here on this Sunday evening. Not much else going on in the sports world. we got NHL going on, but I need to ask you guys. I know I'm the guest, but I I have a question first. (laughs) Have we announced, do we know when free agency is officially starting? I see that obviously it's supposed to start July 1, but apparently there's no official date.
1: So usually players can start negotiating agreeing to deals on july 1st but i believe it is like a six to ten moratorium until Mm -hmm. they can actually sign those deals but if you're talking about back channel stuff i'm sure that that's been happening even probably in the playoffs Mm -hmm. for all we know but like officially it's july 1st okay but unofficially it's been going
3: on
2: yeah especially with that tweet or the instagram post from from kevin durant or no was it demian lillard with durant in a portland jersey yeah
1: yeah i saw that that was uh, pretty interesting
2: it's a little and odd we'll definitely to me. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I
1: guess if we're starting i was going to save this until the end because it wasn't officially on the uh on the docket here but i i'm gonna go ahead and ask it now so we can get it out of the way we talked before you came on jack you said that you were a knicks fan so i have to ask how do you feel about the knicks off season? you know the Jalen brunson stuff and the draft night moves what are your
3: thoughts on all that So the draft night moves, obviously in the moment, I was upset because I really wanted Jaden Ivey. Like the front office has been in this new regime has been patient. They've traded back for more assets. I'm a Ravens fan. I'm from Baltimore. So I'm, I'm used to really good navigation on draft night and, and this new Knicks regime has done well. They got quickly in OB. They, they traded back last year. They got some young guys too. So, it actually turned out to be okay, especially because whoever they were going to pick at eleven, they actually didn't love it. Felt like a lot to give up to just get Kemba off the books. What really bothers me is this is that I've come to kind of an understanding that Jalen Brunson is who the Knicks are going to get this offseason. And Brunson's mm-hmm. a good player, but he's just not worth 110 million, in my opinion. Like what that But does. that's what you guys are gonna end up paying him. Oh, I know. You don't have to remind me. Mm-hmm. I know, <laughs> and, and that's my point. That's why I don't like it. Like he's a fine player, but it what it says to me is like, let's go and be average. And I'd rather, yeah. I'd much rather like spend this season clearing Rand off the books, clearing Forney off the books, trying to get a second rounder for Alec Burks, trying to get a second rounder for Noah Linsman, while well, moving those players out and then clearing the cap for next free agency or the deadline, continuing to add draft picks, and let Emmanuel quickly run the show. Let R.J. Baird take 30 shots a game. Let Obi Toppin mm. play 30 minutes a game, and see what you have with those guys, plus Grimes, plus Miles McBride, and then going into next offseason, you can say, all right, we think Quick can start, and we think R.J. can start, and we just got to max out two guys, and we feel like we can go from there. Or, you know what, we got to trade quickly in Obi and just level up to a, to a role player, whatever it might be. This is just like a weird – what does this do for us, Randall? Like if we roll out Brunson, Fournier, RJ, Julius Randall, and Mitchell Robinson, like I genuinely don't want to watch the Knicks next year. Like it, it doesn't mm-hmm. interest me. So when mm-hmm. I came to the understanding and realization that the Brunson thing is like pretty much final, it, it just upset me a little. So here's my thoughts on the Knicks.
1: I absolutely agree with you. I think they need to get Randall off the books. And here's my hot take: I think Obi Toppin could average like 18 and 8. Yeah. If he was allowed as a starter, and the only difference to, between Tyrese Maxey and Emmanuel Quickly is opportunity. Sure. I think Emmanuel Quickly can be just oh, oh maybe not quite. He's not quite as fast, but he's a smarter player. So I I think that they cut that kind of
3: like levels it out so, so I, if
2: they I, bring in if they bring in Brunson he's their point guard and then quickly goes over exactly. to the two
3: yeah that's I mean, quickly yeah, that, yeah. then quicks playing undersized of the two or he's back to the bench because Tibbs likes to play his oh. guy's 37 minutes a game mm. that's my point is it it just ruins a lot and then Rose is back this season from injury so he's going to be playing the backup point guard man it just doesn't accomplish anything in my opinion besides like Leon mm-hmm. Rose is taking care of, you know, his his grandson, essentially, in Jalen Brunson.
1: And, like, the other thing is I think you guys should fire Tom Thibodeau. You guys need to just embrace youth. Just mm-hmm. build through the draft for, like, five years. I know it's hard. I know it's tempting. New York, James Dolan, I get it. But, like, if you guys actually just took, like, three to five years to actually build through the draft. You guys are hitting on your draft picks. Like I love miles McBride. He's a West Virginia guy. I think he's good. He's a good backup. Jericho Sims might actually end up being like a starting level center. If he can develop properly, like
2: I just don't get it. I don't,
1: James Dolan, come man, on, man. <laughs> yeah.
2: Look, we have we have a coach, we have a coach in Philly, Jack, that doesn't like to play young players too, that frustrated us. But we'll we'll talk about that later. But let's talk about you right now, Jack, cuz you are the guest. We know you're a Knicks fan, but but there's so much in your sports world that everyone needs to know. So let's start off with where you are now as the CEO of Snapback Sports. Can you tell us about Snapback Sports and what inspired you to create it?
3: Absolutely. So Quick story. It's been about five years. I was at the University of Texas at Austin my senior year. I had been doing e-commerce stuff online through social media, and I realized it's better to have the platform than to have kind of the product because people are always going to want to advertise on your platform. We are paying out a lot of people. So I went to Snapchat. Everyone was on Instagram and Twitter and snap had this vertical format now today you're familiar with instagram reels and tiktok and youtube shorts literally every platform has gone vertical but back five years ago no one was vertical and i thought it was a really good way to showcase sports and content so started building on there kind of knew how to grow social media accounts and we just became the biggest sports uh, snapchat account with million followers we're doing 30 million views uh, per month like serious engagement. And so I kind of just started building that for, for a year. I went to work at the action network. So a lot of my roots are in sports betting and sports gambling. And then I jumped over to whistle sports like 18 months after that and learned how to be a content creator. Now, five years ago, content creation wasn't a thing. Influencers were like, this was definitely part of the influencer world, but like, The creator economy and all these different you know buzzwords you hear today where people could actually go off and just make content about sports and stuff they love it wasn't encouraged and so i worked those jobs but whistle taught me how to be more of a content creator and so it was this past uh was it this past Jan? no last january i left and kind of went off and did my own thing with snapback and so now you know we're building a media company and what's that mean We've got, you know, still our snap channel, but we've got other snap channels. We've got Snapchat shows. We're on YouTube. We have a podcast, TikTok, all that good stuff. And really the goal is to just create a platform for the next generation of sports fans. So if you're listening to this, you're like, what does that mean exactly? Well, I'm 25, 26 next month. And when I grew up, I would watch SportsCenter two hours a day. You would watch, you know, a three hour basketball game or baseball game. And then you maybe listen to the radio or whatever it may be. Now that consumption has completely changed. You're consuming NBA Twitter drama. You're consuming highlights on your social media apps. You're talking about this stuff with friends. You're betting on sports. You're eating. Uh, the culture of the game is so much more entwined. And so what sports is morphed into has really changed. And we want to create a world where like you can come get the perfect sports fan experience. Very interesting. So I guess my
1: question for you is, what's your take on the popularity of the NBA today, especially compared to other sports? And we we kind of already established who your favorite team was, but who's your favorite player?
3: Yeah, I would say, like, the NBA has done exactly what we want to do in that they're embracing – what is that next kind of form of sport they're embracing the locker room tunnel sorry the tunnel fits right what the players are wearing walking in they're embracing the drama that goes on they're embracing the big free agent signings the trades and other leagues have lacked that and that's what made has made the sport so popular uh my favorite player is chris paul the story about him scoring you know the 63 points for his grandfather missing the free throw truly inspired me growing up and then I always just loved, you know, following his career. I thought his team with the Hornets was super fun. Obviously, Lob City was awesome. And last year was truly like one of the more exciting, you know, times as a Chris Paul fan cuz he finally broke through and realized that it was his unlucky kind of string of events that prevented him, not his greatness as a player. And then I would say my my new generation player is, is IQ on the Knicks. I played against him in high school. I'm a Knicks fan. He's so much fun to watch. And, you know, trust me, that's probably partially why I don't want the Brunson signing because I just want to see quick out there. Hold up, hold up. You played against an NBA player in high school. Was he on your team or was he an opponent? He was an opponent. So I I, I grew up in Maryland and we played in a conference called the MI, MIA. And you guys, you know, if you're Philly guys might know this. Phil Booth. Uh, went to Villanova and yep, he dominated yep. in the national championship game that I happened to be at. Cause it was in uh, Texas. So I drove over to, I think it was Houston that year. And so I played against Phil Booth in the MIAA. quick was also in the conference. He was a couple of years younger than me. Uh, but our conference, like bread, you know, some true, true players, Rudy Gay, uh, Maryland Hoops, you know, is very, very uh, good. No, yeah,
1: it, that is, it, was
3: that the same conference that uh, Markel Foltz played in, or am I so thinking of a different one? It, it's different, Uh, but they, like, where Booth went, which was Mount St. Joe's, they would play in, like, the Catholic League, maybe against, like, where Foltz played, some of the D.C. area teams. Um, But, yeah, Maryland Hoops is crazy. Our team actually, ironically – uh, and you guys can appreciate this, too, as Doc Rivers is your coach. And so you've seen some bad coaching before. Our team <laughs> went 0-18 in conference uh, my senior year. I kid you not. We lost Same, 16, bro. Same. 16 of the 18 games by single digits. So the coach got fired because at some point you got to put a little bit onto the coach when you're coming up that close, that short every time. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was still fun. I missed those. Man,
1: okay. man, I, man, I feel you in high school, man. We were, I think, two and whatever my junior year, and like one and whatever my senior mm. year. So it's, it was. Well, we were just. We had lost an upper class, and my upper class just was not as together like we weren't friends like we did not like like hang out or like each other or anything and then we weren't just we we just weren't as skilled either so like it was rough so i get it man i get it
2: yeah so what was your take on the finals real quick before we get to top shot
3: yeah so the finals were i i was down on the warriors in the playoffs all season long. Like I thought they had an easy road. I didn't think that Poole was like what he was doing in round one. I thought he would come back down to earth. And I really thought Boston was the better team. And I still think Boston was the better team, but you just give credit to the warriors. Cause at the end of the day, they made less mistakes. Like Boston found themselves just, they kept throwing up on themselves and they couldn't get out of their own way. And so Boston, you know, had an incredible run. They beat some incredible teams, and they have a great young core. But I just love to remind people: like that doesn't mean they'll be, they'll be back, and it doesn't mean they mm-hmm. can just be satisfied. Like they should look into if if they feel like Bradley Beal is an upgrade over Jalen Brunson, like go make that move. I'm not saying he is necessarily, but like if they think they could get they could give up Brunson and Smart and picks for Durant, and like that's the key that gives it. Make the move because everyone assumes you're going to be back. But, like, that OKC Thunder team never got back. Like, there's a million other teams. The Suns team last year, everyone this year was like, oh, they're going to walk to the final. Like, it's yeah. not as easy to win championships. So, that that's my uh, cautionary tale to, to Boston.
2: I think that it was a, it was a game four. that Yeah, was a game. pivotal game. They had the yeah. league going into the fourth. had they won that game they they could have they could have taken the series but but yeah that uh, was a momentum game yeah steph curry is not from this planet (laughs) i think it'll be a long time before we see another player like him i grew up jack watching jordan in his prime i grew up Mm -hmm. watching obviously Allen iverson in his prime both transcendent players players who who really reached beyond basketball and really affected the culture across the board but here we have steph curry who Essentially, change the game for future generations. So, so let me go into Top Shot. And before I ask you the question, let me explain to the listeners why we found you. So, I've been collecting Top Shot moments for about a year, year and a half. I had some time on my hands a few weeks ago, and I'm going down the rabbit hole of of uh, YouTube. And Jack's name pops up for a very interesting reason related to a LeBron James moment, which I'm sure you'll you'll get into. <laughs> and I watched that video that you were featured in, related to you uh, making a really bold purchase, a moment with with a LeBron James moment. Uh, and for the people who aren't sure about Top Shot, and that, that's why I'm so excited about this episode, Jack, is because we talk Sixers all the time, but we want to give some unique content, some some stuff that's really hot. So NBA Top Shot. If you're into sports cards, like when I was growing up, Jack, I used to collect tops and upper deck skybox like basketball cards. Right. Mm -hmm. So once the NBA partnered with Dapper Labs and they came up with this novel idea of instead of taking just a a still picture of your favorite athlete to actually take a highlight from that from a special game or a unique uh, move that they made or a dunk or a shot, and they put that into a format of an NFT okay non-fungible token. So that being said, that's how I found Jack. That's why he's here because he is like a guru when it comes to NBA top shot. So here's the question. What got you into top shot?
3: So this was during COVID 2020. I got back into sports cards. I like I said my early beginnings are in sports betting and sports gambling. I have, you know, a sports media company so we make a lot of takes and I love having skin in the game. One of the things I don't love sometimes in sports betting is that it's a zero sum game. So like this season, right? Uh in February, if you were to bet on the Celtics to turn their season around, you bet on them at plus 3500 to win the championship. They go all the way, they're up 2-1 in game 4 in the fourth quarter and mm-hmm. like the odds are in your favor, but you know, you of course you can hedge, but At the end of the day, if you didn't, you end up with zero dollars. You actually lose something in in the sports car world. You could make takes on a player. So I always use the example in 2020. If you bet, if you bought a Josh Allen sports card in the NFL, the Bills lost in the AFC championship. Allen was spectacular. He finished second in MVP voting. But if you bet on any of those things, you lost. But if you bought a sports cards, now you're up five X. And so that's what brought me to sports cards then during covid. I like the idea of like day trading players so you can bet their player props, but it doesn't really satisfy, you know, your bet on a player. So I was buying Michael Porter Jr. rookie cards during the bubble when he was starting and he was playing tremendous. He scored 20 and 25 and, you know, Bo Bowl was playing well, too. But by the time I could take a picture, upload it to eBay, get it shipped out and and sell it and auction it for seven day auction. He was back on the bench, and his, his value from $20 mm. to 100 had already gone back to 20 In mm. that perfect timing, I was introduced to NBA Top Shot. Like I said, I built a company on social media. I love trading cards, love gambling. I have been buying crypto. So the, the concepts actually clicked to me pretty early on, and digital ownership like makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not going to lie, when I first went on the site, I didn't get it. But once you buy a pack, you open a moment, you can list it on the marketplace, and it kind of just functions as, as a real product, it made a lot of sense to me. So got into Top shop because of all those reasons, and I, I am a big believer that a lot of this stuff will be the future.
1: Really neat, man. This I'll be honest, all the sports betting and gambling stuff is beyond me, but I do have another question for you. Now that we're on the topic of Top Shot, what are some of the top, some of the top Top Shot moments that you hold proudly hold in your collection?
3: Yeah. So as I was saying, the big like publicity I got from Top Shot was because I was so my conviction was so high on Top Shot. Super, super early on end of 2020. The This purchase actually came, uh, you know, mid to late January was I gathered up my friends, a couple of my friends, and I told them, like, I'm going to buy this moment. I think it's a great buy. If you want to be part of it, like, you can. But just so you know, no pressure, like, I'm buying this. And so what we bought was the – we bought a LeBron James legendary dunk. The dunk is famous for being a tribute to the late, great Kobe Bryant, where he does kind of a reverse, you know, behind-the-back dunk. And what was, what made it so special is there's only 49 of them on the platform, so it's super scarce to begin with. But this one specifically had the serial number, number 23. So it was a match to LeBron James. Um, and so in a world where you don't grade cards like a PSA 10, if you're familiar with sports cards, the serial numbers is what a lot of people in Top Shot say is the most important. So matching that up to LeBron and, and buying that, we spent – forty seven thousand dollars on it which was that was a huge buy like i don't yeah big time yeah big time i i was like i'm selling a bitcoin that i had bought years and years ago and that's what we did and you know we got offers for half a million dollars a few months later should we have sold Mm. probably (laughs) given given (laughs) today's market man yeah yeah but, but the thing is, when, when I bought that moment, having been in sports cards, I, I truly thought that NBA Top Shot could be the future of sports collectibles. And if that were to be the case, I truly believe that that moment is the most special on the entire platform. And it, you know we know in the sports card world, that's two plus to five plus million dollars. So, uh, you know, it, it was crazy. But that's so- obviously the top moment we own.
1: So I have a question. Does it just do like modern moments or does it take moments from the past two that you could get?
3: Yeah. So they have a set called run it back. So they've got vintage moments. And I know that Top Shots uh, members or employees have mentioned before that they'll they have licensed footage from the NBA so they can go back to like the 1940s. They can do some black and white stuff. So they're oh, going to be able to do some really, really cool stuff.
2: Hey, did you get into the Magic Johnson drop two weeks ago? I Real did get I oh, did. I'm and so I, jealous. I,
3: I know. I actually so ended jealous. up pulling the lowest value <laughs> magic oh. that you could. Like there were five right. moments and I get the worst one, but can't wow. complain. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. My, I, I bought. I have like a hundred moments
2: at this present time. I have a hundred and one. I'm, I've been really bullish on Donovan Mitchell because I think mm-hmm. wherever he goes next, he's gonna just launch into a next stratosphere. Okay. And just to give you an idea of my best moment, that I'm just gonna hold forever. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I bought the Steph Curry moment in Madison Square Garden where yeah. he broke the three point record. So I'm not gonna say how much I paid for it, but <laughs> I'm gonna hold that thing forever, man. You have to make your wife upset—that's the real question. Um, I have to edit that part. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I have to edit I, that part. You know what? I bought the same exact moment. Did uh, you? Probably in the same timeline. A couple of weeks ago, they were doing. You know, because I've I've spent a lot on the platform and just have a notable kind of space in that world i'm in a vip program and they were doing a vip promotion like if you spent x amount of dollars you get 50 percent back in credit so i was like all right what are some new moments because i don't really sell a lot of my stuff like what mm-hmm. are some new moments i want to <laughs> grab and i was at that game uh oh i, I that had next cool. tickets. yeah that is so cool. that and that's where i think top shot make becomes very interesting in the collectible space Uh, We always joke like one of the more expensive LeBron cards and I am still a huge sports card collector, but I think top shot is so much more potential, but one of the most famous LeBron cards is actually from a preseason game against the Pistons and the picture on the card, he misses like a fadeaway jump shot, but because (laughs) it's just an image, like no one cares, no one knows, right? It doesn't matter versus top shot. Like that's sick in my opinion, like you can own the moment, that stephan curry broke the all like that's a historic moment so that's once again that's why we bought the original lebron moment you're and you're you're making me feel good you're making me feel good about my
1: my purchase (laughs) i actually like a job that pays enough i i might have to get into that and i don't even get into that but yeah you guys are you guys are convincing me
3: yeah
2: so jack People are hanging on to your every word because, you know, you got VIP status with Top Shot. That's pretty neat. <laughs> but if if someone like Lucas or anybody else that loves sports and is curious about NFTs and the idea of something being an asset that you can hold, you can even gift your NFTs or your Top Shots to, to people that you care about. So what, what would be your strategy or any, any tips for anyone just getting involved with Top Shots?
3: Yeah. So I would say the days of, you know, making a ton of quick money are over for the most part. Like if you really game the platform, you can win challenges and you can make a, you know, a hundred bucks here or there. But back in the day, early on with all the hype behind it, it was because, you know, stuff you'd wake up in the morning and your account is up a thousand or two thousand bucks. It was some really crazy stuff. That is, man, I missed out. Yeah, yeah it, it's good that 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 era has calmed down. But I would say what I am bullish on when it comes to Topshot is they're gonna introduce more people to NFTs. Like it's the perfect starter platform. So you don't even need to know these things are NFTs. You don't need to have a crypto wallet or crypto. You can sign up with an email. You can uh, buy with a credit card or deposit, you know, from your bank account. And they, I think they have starter packs for $9. And I Mm -hmm. highly encourage, even if it's just from like a, you know, you want to learn like $9 could not be better spent than you going in, signing up, buying a pack, opening a pack, listing on the marketplace and just like understanding what it is like to own a digital collectible. So that would, that's step one. And then now like, yeah, invest in invest in players you believe in. If you're looking at it as an investment, as Sixers fans, like collect some Sixers moments, and they'll reward you. Like if you want to be in a cool Sixers community, like they have Discord for Sixers fans, and uh, if you start talking about Top Shot on Twitter, you can find others who collect, and it it's built a really really cool community. But I wouldn't. I think the days of like sign up for Top Shot, put a thousand bucks in, and and leave with ten grand. Those were days, but those those are definitely gone now. Fair enough. But let's go ahead
1: and shift gears a little bit back to sports now. Now, uh, prior to coming on the podcast, you said your co-host for your podcast on uh, Snapback Sports, he is a Sixers fan. So I guess um, tell us your opinions of the Sixers right now oof, oof. All oh, right. So
3: I'll, I'll give a little more context his name's abe granoff i've grown up with him i went to camp in the poconos in pa so all my friends growing up were sixers fans i hate the sixers i hate the eagles respectfully, <laughs> <very> <laughs> oh, respectfully. Goodness. uh because of him for the most part which i think is you know it's an ode to him for being such a good fan i uh, think I've, you're the
1: I've- first there's hater that we've had on the podcast
2: <laughs> no it's, I, so but wait wait was it sixers camp you went to or
3: just uh, some, no no, no just camp? a camp yeah just a camp okay in, yeah outside because
2: there area. was a sixers camp in the poconos that i attended yeah, sure. for several
3: years but all right okay. so no, back to you it's not that um so i've seen it all i've seen the process mm-hmm. i've seen the you know team Ben over Embiid. I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, doc rivers being a great hire. I I've truly, truly seen it all oh. when it comes to the Sixers and my take on them is like, I don't know. They, I, I think the process has failed to this point. Is it fully, fully dead? Not necessarily. Do I think James Harden, you know, should be given a max contract not necessarily. I, I feel like you guys are just, I mean, you know it, you live it. So I don't have to explain too much about it. Does
2: your, does your coworker, does he defend the Sixers like tooth and nail, like, like, I mean, do you guys go at it sometimes about the Sixers and oh, Knicks? Or, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. We go we go at it for sure. That's what makes our podcast funny because, you know, I'm coming from a place from the Knicks and then the Ravens and he's calling Lamar Jackson a running back and then Jalen Hurts is a starting quarterback. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's all good old-fashioned fun, but um, we definitely get into it over the Sixers. And unfortunately for him and I guess you guys too, like – it always kind of ends the same in the second round so well
1: i mean it's better getting to the playoffs than
2: uh. <laughs> well let, let me just say this jack so i mean being part of Sixer sense for 2 years lucas has been there much longer than me we've we've heard it all from fans not everybody's on board with what sam hinkey did which technically was what mm-hmm. ownership did they just gave him the keys and said all right lose on purpose or put a put a product out there that can ensure that we will get a high lottery pick the moment that happened i was like this this is not gonna go well i I think the franchise is cursed personally because i mean how many franchises can you say jack in any sport drafts two top picks consecutive years and both of them forget how to do a very essential part of the game which is shoot the basketball and you know, and injuries, drafting multiple centers in consecutive years, like what sense did that make? Uh last year when we traded for Harden, I was like, maybe this this process thing might end up working out, but mm-hmm. but he's long in the tooth. It's it's not gonna be easy. Doc Rivers is is can be obstinate sometimes. So I like to be optimistic a lot of times, Jack, but I'm going into this this season. With zero expectations.
3: <laughs> I have I, I, just, I can't wow, afford it. Okay. I can't
2: I can't get my emotions invested like I have the past then, six years. then
3: yeah, I, I was about to say I question if you're a team. Sixers fan. Cause... No no no. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's like
1: how can I like it to it? it's kinda of like being like Catholic, you mourn your fandom sometimes.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm. I think that's 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 and I, I think Comparatively, is it easier to be a Sixers fan or Nets Knicks fan? Right now, I'd say it's probably easier to be a Sixers fan.
3: Yeah, not, that's, not a, that's, not a, tiered, that's a competition I don't think anyone's proud to win, but yeah, yeah. I think you're probably <laughs> right. I, I would yeah. say this on the process I think the I actually think the process was correct and I think the results were incorrect. And so, is having a bunch of First overall picks, correct? Yes, is being bamboozled into you know moving up for faults and missing on Tatum and you know Ben and everything that happened, all that stuff. That's poor result, but process wise, I actually think the logic was there with Hinkie. So I'm not I'm not anti Hinkie and, and tanking for at least the. Old uh, I, I think the Nets, uh, in all seriousness,
1: I think like you said earlier, the Nets could use a couple of process years.
2: Wait, Go the ahead. Knicks or the Nets? Did you say Knicks or Nets? But, I mean later both at
1: this point. Oh, yeah. Both at yeah. This point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, that's yeah, the Sixers, the, the Atlantic Conference is gonna be interesting in the next couple of months, weeks because the Sixers, the Nets, the Knicks, who knows what happens with Boston and Toronto. It's gonna be interesting.
2: All right. uh, So the last question for uh, the podcast and Jack, you've been a great interview. Just want to ask you if there's anything new on the horizon for snapback sports, any new projects coming up. I think there's something called. Was it snap kitchen? Uh, Help me out with that. Uh, Tell us what's going on, man. It sounds exciting.
3: Yeah, I'll mention Snapback Kitchen just because I think it's super unique concept that I would love to share. So we launched what is called Snapback Kitchen. You can go check it out at snapbackkitchen.com. And it's effectively 50 ghost restaurants all across the country. We've got one in Philadelphia, hopefully a few more coming soon, too. The, the concept is we're partnered up with a startup called PopChu. They kind of run all operations and we are the marketing and the branding side. And my goal is to be the umbrella sports brand for food. So Sunday football, you're watching the game, you know, order some snapback kitchen. Our food is chicken tenders, mac and cheese, French fries. We've got a bunch of different sauces and we'll expand on that menu eventually. The way it works, though, is interesting Pop Chew will call your local restaurant that, that has a kitchen, right? And say, hey, do you want to carry this menu? When you're on Uber Eats or uh, Grubhub or Seamless, whatever app you use, you order from Snapback Kitchen. It's actually coming out of that restaurant's kitchen with their workers and their chefs and all that. But we've given them the ingredients, the recipes, and how to prepare the food. And so that's, uh, you know, enabled us without having to buy real estate, And build out an entire infrastructure we're just latching on to pre-existing kitchens and it's beneficial to them because now their revenue is multiplying as well so Mm. it's it's a unique experience Mm -hmm. in the business world where i think both sides are are benefiting but it's been cool and one of the things that we can do because we create content around this stuff is be a more fun food brand to to fall in love with so People like Chick-fil-A, you order 10 times on their app, you get a free chicken sandwich. We actually, for anyone who ordered through the NBA playoffs, they were entered into a raffle, and I took a fan to game five of the finals with me. So that's, oh, a, bit, wow. yeah, that's, that's cool. a little bit of a different rewards program. And we're going to do you know, NFL season tickets for a fan in the fall. Um, and there's other stuff that will go, jerseys, you know, be in our content, different stuff. So it's it's a really really awesome project that we're working on, and it's going well. We we sold you know over fifty thousand dollars worth of chicken tenders and mac and cheese so far, and we're kind of ramping that up as we speak. So Snapback Kitchen, I would love for you guys to try it one day uh, if you're ever in the mood. I'm on. I'm definitely on so board. I,
1: I have a question on the Snapback. Do you, does the local restaurant that you order from do they like make a stat Snapchat video? Uh, like a video that you can watch them make your food is that part of it or is
3: they don't you know, but but that would be kind of cool <laughs> i think that would be idea. cool I, I, yeah. yeah get I, a hashtag that,
1: going get some royalties from that maybe no <laughs>
3: <okay>. <laughs> i i was just gonna say like that's the beauty of this concept is now we don't have all those costs associated with you know the real estate and the employees and all that good stuff And so we can do unique stuff like that in our rewards program, in our content. We want to do a food challenge. So, you know, you order the hundred dollar, you know, chicken bucket, you finish it in 30 minutes, you post a video on social media, we give you a T-shirt and, you know, refund your order so you don't have to pay for all that. So like those are the unique things that we come from a place of content and social media. So we're thinking about as opposed to a lot of these mom and pop restaurants where their roots are in making really great food. So we're, we're using them and helping them. I, I would say the coolest story is Pop Chew. Also, has, they have a bunch of other brands. One of them is a wing brand. There's one stop in New Jersey that they now, like the original restaurant was a diner. They took on this uh, Pop Chew restaurant called Wing Season. They're now doing like 300% uh, more in revenue per month because of this. And so in a time where COVID really burnt a lot of these restaurants, any added revenue is so awesome. So it's cool that we're kind of benefiting both sides here.
2: Wow. Well, Jack, you are groundbreaking in so many ways when it comes to sports and, and even branching out into the restaurant industry. Uh, Lucas and I, we we really appreciate you stopping by. And, and I would say I wish the Knicks luck, but I'd be lying if I said that. But, but <laughs> hey, yeah, thanks the for feeling uh, <laughs> The
3: feeling is mutual. After Sixers, I appreciate uh. you guys. I appreciate you guys, though. Uh, have a good one.
2: All right, Uriah,
1: it's just me and you again.
2: Yes, it is just Lucas and I. That was a really interesting interview. This this guy's only twenty five, right? I think he's
1: man, he, you know what? I, I feel like this was one of the ones we wish that we had Chris on because Chris is the closest in age to. Well, oh, technically, yeah. he's only like four years younger than me, but he's. I feel like I'm so disconnected with that generation, though. You know what I mean, man? <laughs> yeah, and Uriah, we got to talk about Draft Night because a lot of interesting things happened. And let's go ahead and start with the Sixers and Uriah. The Sixers traded the twenty-third pick and Danny Green for De'Anthony Melton. What are your thoughts, and how does he fit with the Sixers roster?
2: Well, we we talked about it before. I think it was last Wednesday, and we were both pretty confident that the Sixers were not going to be using that pick. Either they were going to trade it away, or in the case of Thursday night, they they used the pick, but they ended up trading that player in addition to Danny Green. In return, we got the Anthony Melton, which is going to be interesting that we have a Melton and a Milton. Yeah, you know, about that
1: on the uh, on the Ricky. Yeah,
2: yeah, they, 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 they were talking about that on the Ricky. But you know, for the people who don't watch a lot of Memphis basketball, which is me included, I have some of his stats up. This is his uh, where he's going to get to his fourth, fifth season. 15. He started yep. out with Phoenix, but I saw online he was was he drafted by Houston? He was drafted by Houston, uh, but I think it was a draft night
1: trade. Okay, that's interesting that Maury was Every, there in the
2: draft.
1: Yeah, I think that that's the connection there. I, I, I might not be 100% correct, but I knew that he started his career with the with the Suns. He might he was just traded. I don't know if it yeah. was during the offseason or during the draft though. That's right.
2: Well, the good news, Lucas, is that if you go back to 2018 up to last year, his points per game increased every year. He is an athletic guard. He's a little short, but has a nice wingspan. He plays very good defense. He's up there in the top uh, percentage of, I think, steals and blocks for his position. He got Apparently a lot of run. Good. He, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I like his shot. He gets his shot off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And he definitely has more athleticism than anybody else on the bench, which is what this team was lacking. Overall, I, I'm okay with it. I did go and look and see at some Memphis Grizzly sites in terms of like how the, he frustrated the, their fan base. Maybe some inconsistency. Look, no player is perfect, but I think he's an upgrade for the bench. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think I think he is an upgrade for the bench. He's kind of like a more athletic a version of shake Milton in a way, you know, combo guard yeah. can play off and on can create for himself, can play off the ball uh, as well. He's Like you said, he's a six two. So he's a little undersized, you know, he, he is a strong and quick athlete, which is always nice to have, you know, not the ideal type of, you know, I, I... look and Milton is only 24 years old. He has room to grow. He's been increasing numbers every single year and these are on teams with these primarily Memphis teams to where he didn't really get a chance to be the primary like creator off the bench because they had guys like Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones handling the ball that's not going to be the case in Philly he's going to be the the sixth man in Philly so I'm really interested to see if he can embrace that spark plug off the bench he he can clearly score he has a nice touch outside my it'll be interesting to see if Doc Rivers plays him alongside one of the starting guards or if he goes with, you know, having Milton and Melton on the on the floor at the same time. Gosh, this is going to be a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, I, I can already see it. It's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, look, Danny Green's injured. He's just salary filler. So you basically get the, this role player, the solid role player on it, you know, a really good playoff team last year. For the 23rd pick. it's it's a, I think it's a solid steal. And it makes sense for Memphis, too, mm-hmm. because Memphis had a glutton of guards. And it was just going to be harder to get him more playing time moving forward. So you, you flip him for a draft pick where you can develop. Mm-hmm. And they, they got the type of guys that they wanted in the draft. They got like 3 and D wings, forwards, and that's kind of where they lacked against um, Golden State in the second round last year. So I think overall, it's a it's a fair trade for both sides. I think.
2: Yeah, I think he's a good fit, and that athleticism is definitely going to help the Sixers where they lacked last year. If, salary wise, if people are wondering, uh, this year he makes eight point. Actually, the next season he's going to be making nine million a year, and then twenty three, yeah. twenty four. It's nine point six. So essentially, it's it's almost the same contract as Danny Green. Yeah, yeah, it's a little cheaper.
1: Year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, an extra year on top of that. You know, when I was listening to the Ricky about it, they were like, oh, "It's kind of like a Seth Curry type move in terms of having a small scoring guard right. coming that you know you can get on a really cheap deal, even though they're worth more than that deal." So I think Moria Gold there. Yeah. But that's not the only move that mori made. Now I, I, me personally, I wanted them to trade. You know, buy a pick in the second round. That didn't happen. But mm-hmm. you know what did happen, Uri? They did drop. They Signed an undrafted rookie, okay, Julian Champagney. Now I had to go. On, I had to listen to the highlights to learn how to pronounce his name correctly. But it, <laughs> you, yeah. you and me both, <laughs> man. So it is Champagney. Yeah, and you know what? He has a brother that played in the NBA last year. Did you know that? Who is that? Justin Champagney for the Toronto Raptors. He was on a two-way contract. I knew that. I knew that name sounded familiar. Yeah, he. Uh, familiar. And he. And you know what? His brother had solid stats. I didn't really see him play but the stats were there for him
2: yeah so that's what college, what college did he play for the brother or no no julian, uh, julian.
1: st john's st john's that's right that's right his brother played for Pitt. um now i i had to do i'm not gonna lie i had to do some research on him you i i checked out his stats i want to i had to do some i watched some highlight reels on youtube mm-hmm. and let me tell you something you this guy he has the potential to be like another un you know, unearthed diamond like Robert Covington was. He's not afraid to shoot. I know he's that. He's not age. afraid. He's six eight, solid six eight, has a good strong frame. He's not afraid to shoot, and he's a really good defender. I think he averaged at least one steal and one block per game, it was probably more than both. Is mm-hmm. like one point five steals and one point two blocks, something around that. I'm not exactly sure on the stats. but The guy was solid, Uriah. Right. And, like, he he not only, on, you know, on the perimeter defensively, he could hold his own in the post. He could help side defense, run down blocks, help side, weak side defense. Like, he, he was all everywhere. Like, I'm surprised he did not get drafted. But I will say this. Just looking at the highlight reels alone, and these are just highlights. So, I, I I'm not going to act like I've watched a lot of college basketball this past year. I didn't. But this guy, at six eight, he could be like give him a year to develop. But he's he's twenty years old. He's he was a junior at twenty years old, so he's a young upperclassman. That's good, and like I just I could see him becoming a very valuable player if you know
2: Doc Rivers allows him to be pretty we, much. We know that that's not going to happen. I, I'm, I wouldn't put any money on that. I did watch some highlights like you did. He's not afraid to shoot, especially with someone in his grill in his jersey. He does not hold he's back really good anymore. with off ball movement on offense too. did the you one see thing that? I did, but mm-hmm. again that that's just showing all the good stuff that he does. I, yep. I, w- I would want to see like the scouting report. I think six eights a nice size. and in college, yeah, you can you can stand out. but once you get to the NBA, we'll see if he can separate himself from his college years to his his pro career. And I look. I hope he does well. I hope he does blossom, but I don't expect him to see any time this year. No, no, not this year. But
1: if he develops well in Delaware on the Bluecoats, I I think he deserves a shot. Like he, like I think he's probably further along than Charlie Brown Junior. was in college. Mm. I I think he's he has something there, man. I I just see it. I, I feel good about it. <laughs> but that's just me being a little optimistic there. Right. Was there any other draft night surprises, you know, with the Sixers? Probably not with the Sixers, because we yeah. already we went over that, but any other teams that really kind of
2: surprised you? Nope. I think the only team that surprised me was the Knicks. We and mm-hmm. you know, I hope if Jack is listening to this, <laughs> no, look, the Knicks just do not have good drafting experience and and I think the fact that Stephen A. came out and, and said that they're worse than the Dallas Cowboys, that tells you where yeah, their franchise that, is. That, that was, wow. So I was surprised okay. at, at the moves that they made. Uh, I, I say one thing. Orlando and in, in Oklahoma City, they have a lot of young talent. It's going to be interesting to see them four to five years from now.
1: Look, okay, so I was going to start off with Ivy being drafted by the Knicks, but you brought up the magic. Mm. And I, I'm gonna say this: if I'm a Sixers fan, thinking about two or three years down the road, I'm afraid of the Orlando Magic. Really? Like, yeah, no, think about this. Think Please about convince this. me. Convince me. Okay, look at it. You got Wendell Carter. You just drafted Pablo Pungaro. Mm. You still have
2: who's unproven. Jonathan Isaac. You have who's the unproven. Wagner. Kid. Yeah, Errol. Wagner. I like. Was it Franz Wagner? Franz, yeah. I, all, he's he's legit.
1: I like that kid. Well, all four of those guys are six ten and lo, starting level players in the NBA. Don't forget about Anthony. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm getting there. I'm just okay. talking about oh, my them. bet. My bet. You could start all four of them because Jonathan Isaac and Franz can play at the two. Like they're they're defensively versatile enough to where they you can get away with that, right? Mm-hmm. Then then you have Jalen Suggs, who was a bulldog defender in college. Markel Fultz who was who is a pretty good defender too. And then you have a spark plug coming off the bench in Cole Anthony like this when they develop they're going to be they're built to bother Joel Embiid. Like Joel Embiid not if they double they don't even they're like the Raptors but if the Raptors were taller. Does that make sense? Like they're built like they can play like the Raptors do. Yeah, I like, can see that. I I I, I that's what makes me scared about them in the future. Mm-hmm. So that's that. But getting back to, you know, Ivy, ever get his first – is it Jordan Ivy? Is it Jordan Ivy? I don't – the kid that went to Detroit. Yeah. Very surprised the Kings did not go there. I get it that he's another point guard, but, like, he was clearly the next best player in the draft. And who knows, maybe this Murphy kid or Murray kid, whatever his name is, that they drafted can be really good two way player. That's great, and you you're drafting for fit because you're trying to get into the playoffs. I get it, mm-hmm. but Kate Cunningham and this Ivy kid is going to be really special backcourt, and they also were able to get another really probably the third fourth best big man in the draft with that uh, Duran guy, right? Mm-hmm. Duran guy, um, and then of course boncaro going first you know yeah magic did a really good job smoke screening that until like an hour before the draft because we all thought it was going to be smith and then it wasn't and so you know that that was a really good i haven't been that surprised since anthony Bennett was drafted first overall Oh, huh. that's, <laughs> that's i think that's, that's yeah a really good surprise yeah yeah that was i remember uh what was his name uh Grantland guy. Um, Bill Simmons freaking out on ESPN when that happened. <laughs> he was like, what the? F-? Yeah. Um, but no, I think those were the main surprises. You know, the net, Knicks are clearly going after Jalen Brunson, and those moves kind of prove that. But I guess they could technically go after
2: Kyrie Irving, which we'll get into more later. All right. Well, let me let me transition. Whoosh. All right, there has been a trade, uh, not lately, but the other night. <laughs> Danny Green is gone, and we're gonna just spend a couple minutes reminiscing and showing a little respect to Danny, who came here and was was a solid veteran. He came as advertised as a as an expert three point shooter, three and D wing. But my question to Lucas. Is how will Danny Green be remembered as a Sixer?
1: So I did a little thank you letter to Danny Green for the website um, yesterday, cool. and you know, in a way, Danny Green was kind of a savior for us. He acquiring him meant we got uh, out of the Al Horford situation, which was a terrible one for us. He was the he was the player that came back in that he. Was clearly one of the more stabilizing players in that locker room, with all the toxic stuff going on with Ben Simmons, and you know, what? Who else knows what's going on in the front office and coaching staff? But Danny Green was a constant professional. I really wish we could have won him that fourth ring, like you know, Maury said. I he deserved that, but right. we didn't deliver there. So I just that that's that's just you know I. Kind of, and like, are you both tearing of up over there? Are you yeah,
2: tearing up? <laughs> I'm
1: good, but like, I just wish we could have like he deserved not to have his two seasons cut short with injury in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, that's the one thing that that made me disappointed in just having bad basketball luck is him getting injured last season in the playoffs. We could have really used him in the Atlanta series. some A lot of people have said to me that had Green played in that series that we could have we could have gotten through and, and passed the Hawks. And obviously the injury that where Embiid fell on him, and that was pretty gruesome and, and really sad because, you know, he was playing so well. I, I think he'll be remembered as, as a solid locker room vet guy. Uh, one thing mm-hmm. that, you know, is arguable is the podcast, The Green Room, which probably brought a little bit more – Controversy to what was going on with the team and Ben Simmons than maybe we needed <laughs> because we had so many people covering that story. because he was in the locker room, people were wondering, well, what does he think? But I, I think he'll be remembered in, in a positive light, to be honest. So, any before we move on, any games or any plays that come to mind with him that stand out?
1: I mean, you could look at what was a game four or game three against Miami
2: where oh, he, he had just had. Threes. Yeah, that was the game where, where before he was like, oh, for 10. Remember that people were getting on yeah. him about that. But that's what he yeah. was. He was streaky. I mean, at this age. Yeah. yeah, yeah he he had struggled with
1: streakiness since his like Toronto days. So like, it's OK, though. You like. Yeah, I think I think he did well.
2: How about the, but... the dunk against Toronto? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a great memorable was, play for him. Sure. And, and, and the series against Washington, he stood out in that series. He did a, a really phenomenal job against Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yeah, contributing so many. I think he had like a he picked his pocket once. It, green Green came as advertised. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think he disappointed. So, let's move on to the the last subject. Okay, Uri.
1: So, any thoughts about the free agent market and trade scenarios coming?
2: Well, there seems to be reports every day about Beal or Levine and obviously the Kyrie Irving situation. The buzz around free agency, we know it's it's coming very soon. Technically, it says June 30th, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It'll be interesting to see if the Lakers really are serious about trading for Kyrie. I think that's the only team that Really has maybe the the draft capital and and maybe the stomach to deal with what he. Brings. Well, they do, they
1: don't have the draft capital. They they, they spend don't. it all. To do. they spent it all on um, on uh, what you call it on Anthony Davis. No, um, well they the couldn't trade that... Russ. They couldn't trade Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Not that Brooklyn would want that, but yeah, no, it would have to be a three team trade, and I just don't see that happening. Um, yeah. Now I will say this that. Fit-wise, with LeBron, he makes the most sense.
2: Right, right, uh, but yeah,
1: I definitely agree that with that. The Nets probably have the best trade capital, I and mean, not the Nets, the Knicks probably have the best trade capital. That was part of those moves. You know, they got for three, Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, if they if, if things fall apart with Jalen Brunson, I mean, you you consider it if you're the Knicks, right? Yeah, I I think so. So yeah, I I yeah, I think the team players, the teams that Kyrie. Put out as like his short list of teams he would like to be traded to was the Lakers, the Clippers, the Heat, the Knicks, and then for some reason us.
2: Yes, that's and just
1: posturing
2: and trying to gain leverage.
1: Nah, nah, we don't want any of we that. Know. Yeah, we we like we okay. Don't want look, them. If you if you're if you're the Sixers, you blowball the N- Nets, the Knicks. Yeah, Nets. You say we'll give you uh, Tobias Harris. And like, maybe one first round pick. Like you don't offer like I I would be has for offer Matisse to Be honest, like I would not offer anything of like consequential value. Right. If if Kyrie wants to come, and especially because like the reason why James Harden left
2: the Nets was because of Kyrie. Yeah, that wouldn't work out too well. Yeah, that, no, that'd be a little just, weird, awkward uh like mean, situation
1: i mean don't get me wrong like having kyrie james harden and joel Embiid would be championship for sure but like i don't want him. i don't no, want I, i'm don't, i'm so fed I, up with i don't kyrie's want the crap. person of kyrie irving I, yeah. I would i like the player absolutely do i want the person no way like kyrie yeah. irving's really making it hard like as soon as uh, let me put it this way you're right as soon as kyrie's game starts to like taper off
2: it's going to drop off a cliff because he, he won't have a speed in and, and his quickness anymore. Yeah. We talked ad nauseum about Jalen Brunson, even though I like Jalen, I think he's a player. Uh, Deandre ayton that'll be interesting. I know you have your theories about where he might end up going. And as far as the Pelicans and Grizzlies, we know Morant is probably going to get a re for from Max deal and Zion. You know, they would be foolish to let him go, even though he's been injured all these years. So, so yeah, that's where we are with free agency.
1: Yeah, I just for okay, so Aiden, he's not gonna go to Detroit now. They've drafted another center. Look, could he he might be able to go to Portland? He's not gonna I, I realize he's not gonna be able to go to the Mavericks now because each team's only allowed one player on a rookie max extension, and they've already given that to Luca and Dallas. So that's not a possibility anymore, but like he could go to the Hawks, you know, you could do a sign and trade with Clint Capella. That wouldn't be a bad trade off. Yeah.
2: That, that might work. Yeah. So like you have your options. Who knows? Didn't, didn't Chris Paul play with Capella at one point?
1: Yeah, they did. in yeah. Houston. Yeah. So that'd, there's. A of...
2: that'd, and, be a, that'd
1: be fair. And Capella does more of what Chris Paul likes from a center. Like, look, Aiden's being underutilized with Chris Paul because, like, Aiden needs to be able to post up sometimes or be able to, like, create his own offense. Chris Paul on the team doesn't allow him to do that. Right. So
2: I I think being in a better situation would be good for him. Who knows? Yeah, you you mentioned Portland. The one thing I'll say before we go is um, on Instagram – Damian Lillard tweeting a picture of him and KD wearing Portland uniforms. And it's so ironic that KD – not KD – that Lillard, when I guess he eliminated Paul George from the playoffs a few years ago, he was criticizing him, like, oh, you run from the grind. And now that picture essentially tells us, hey, KD, run from the grind. Like, come play with me. I find that ironic.
1: Well, I mean, KD's already – moved a couple teams so i, I think you know but look, he still
2: wants to win he still wants yeah to win yeah
1: championship yeah and like look damien knows that he has to be able to he has to recruit if he wants a chance to get somebody to come to portland because they're not going to come otherwise so yeah yeah nobody's wrong. it, was, it was a surprise though that's for sure yeah, I think you're on that note. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up.
2: Yeah. For Lucas and myself, this is the Sixers Sense podcast where we bring you not only Sixers talk, but unique content. Tonight we had Jack Settleman on, the CEO of Snapback Sports, and he was great with his interview, insightful, he was articulate, and, and we wish him the best with all of his endeavors. So until next time – oh, wait, by the way. If you have not subscribed, please look us up. Find us on wherever you get podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, even Audible. Check us out next time for Sixers content. Until then, take care out there.
0: Done.